turn to Philippians chapter 3. We're going to wrap up what we were looking at last week.
share with these young guys yesterday, one thing I've tried to get them understanding is that what God wants of you is two things. That you become an absolute man of the Word of God. I don't mean that talking about seminaries. I'm not against having a seminary education. What I am against is a mindset that that's going to solve, make you a great minister since you've got a seminary education. What you got to have is the depth of the Word of God in you, changing you. Talked about last week, never being satisfied. That no matter how long you've been doing what you do, even as a pastor, Philippians is a book that changed my life years ago, and I'd love to go back to it in Ocean Time. It's really what led to this unique little mini-series. Is that you want to understand that God expects me tomorrow to wake up and be just like a, 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 a new kid. I, I want to learn, Lord. I want to learn, I want to learn. But I never satisfied Paul talked to the elders last week. That I have a right. That I want to be more Christ-like tomorrow than I am today. And so, things I'm sharing with them is the education is fine. But it's not going to make you a loving pastor to get a seminary education. What will is a heart that's centered on the Word of God and then serves people. Serves them. Does not look at them as yours, look at them as God's treasure that He gives you a chance to shepherd. And then He takes that real serious. You don't mess up His sheep. That you look at that young man, you understand it. I'll start leaving with one of them. This is a young guy I've known his dad for 30 years. Uh, really excited about what we want to do in the state. I'll start meeting him when he's off the street. He said, I need a place to real quiet. This guy, I got in that building, and nothing can ever use. Everybody next door, we're just going to go around and spend some time together. And he saw Walt was just ways of growing in the state. So he, he really has a heart and a desire to do that. That has to begin in that heart. And I think one of the things I want us to look at today is we ended up last week, and I was going to examine ourselves individually and corporately, but then we looked at the past. So we did that last week, and notice that we handed out Everything that he never wanted to do. So he goes to his tailor. And he always wore, he was a 
more students than we can cover. So don't do a favor. He's going to have some new students tonight. He's just going to limit up the time that he had left. So Taylor's mentioning him, writes stuff down, and writes down his next size, which is 16. The guy said, no, 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 my next size is 15. Always has been. I've always worn a size 15 to clothes. He said, Taylor said, fine, I'll make a size 15, but don't call me if you stop calling me guys, bunch of things that bring me to your Changes your perspective, doesn't it? Three. Let's look and see what Paul says about what's it all about as we examine ourselves. Let's get to verse 13, where we left off last week. Paul says, verse 13, Brethren, I don't count myself to have apprehended or arrived. One thing I do, I love that phrase, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forward to those things which are ahead. And we dealt with the forgetting those things which are behind. By the way, that really includes past failures and past successes. You don't forget them, you learn from them, and then you leave them in the past, and you take what you've learned, apply it, like I already applied scripture, and you go forward. I was talking with another guy this week that I've known for a long, long time, and, and thinking back over the years, the mistakes that I've made in dealing with, with certain individuals, and in some cases I've been able to go back and rectify those, others I have not, and you learn how to love people, how to realize it's not about you, that it's always about them. To listen, one of my weaknesses has always been not being a good listener, and something that I really focus on, try to, find when I'm talking to someone, particularly, I think sometimes with men, I'm not, I don't know whether women have the problem or not, I'm not a woman, so I don't know. But if whether it's my wife or someone else starts sharing with me, I've got this problem, this problem, this problem, where am I? I've already solved it, it doesn't show up, I'll tell them what to do. Rather than, they just want to go pour their heart out, and they do what? The married men, you understand this, what does your wife want you to do? Shut up and listen. You're not necessarily going to fix it, just let me pour my heart out to you. Listen to me. I want you to you may not be able to empathize, but I want you to understand where I am. And one of the, the most important things any believer can understand, particularly a leader, is you need to love your sheep the way Jesus loves them. Unconditionally, sacrificially, with no strings attached, even though you think that might be a really tough sheep. What sheep would wander off the themselves off the cliff. That's what sheep would do. So what do I do as a shepherd? I gotta protect them from eating themselves right off the cliff. Why? Because God has given, given them to me. I am a shepherd. I need to love them. I'm a husband or I'm a wife. That that relationship that I'm a servant to the other person. So we left off last week in first Timothy. I'm just gonna read this again when I go Because I did it ignorantly 
be on planet Earth to live in that present. Here's how Paul addresses that. I forget what's behind. Talk about that. And know what's going to happen. So I want to focus on the present, leading into the future for the prize. Number one, I want to live for Christ. I want to live for Christ. Those phrases in verse 13 and 14, reaching forward, pressing toward. I want you to get a mental picture. Those are present tense verbs, meaning in Greek. If it's a present tense verb, it means you do it how often? All the time. It's a daily battle, a daily goal. Yes, I want to be more like God. Talked about it several times, and that's why this book means so much to me. If Paul can say about himself, I've not arrived. Lord have mercy, because anybody could have said, I have arrived, who would have been next to Jesus? It could have been the Apostle Paul. And he said, I have not apprehended. I'm chief among sinners. I have not arrived. So I need to examine myself and realize that's what I am. No matter how cruel I think I am, and, I, and I'm not wrong. God said, no, you're not. You haven't arrived. To never be satisfied. I think back to when I was a young Christian as a Thirty and I thought 
that God wants you to use those. Uh, whether it's teaching, preaching, evangelism, sharing the word of wisdom, whatever it might be, whatever those speaking gifts are, God wants you to use those on behalf of the body of Christ. But if you have a servant gift, or what's called the ministry gift, they're all ministry, but the servant gift, like having the gift of service. There are people right here in this room, and I won't embarrass them by mentioning their name, a lot of people, people that are watching, people in our church, that if I were to call them and say, I need you to do something, they would just do it and never, it would never be. Uh, they would not want to pat them back. They wouldn't necessarily invite them. They have the gift of service or the gift of mercy. Now, some people have literally the gift of giving that God blesses them in such a financial way that they can just meet needs and no one ever knows it. It's a spiritual gift. We all, how many of us are supposed to give? And those of us have the hands of us. God expects all of us to support and give for the work of the cause of Christ. But if there are certain people He gives the literal gift, spiritual gift of giving. I've known some of those men over the years, millionaires, and you would never know it. And they just secretly need needs. But God bless them with the capacity to do so. You don't have to be a millionaire to do that. You may just at times not lay somebody in your heart and just do it. Here's the point. How many of us are in a race? Assuming we're all born again and become Christ. How many of us are in a, in a race? Every one of us. Every one of us. We're corporately in the race as a church, and individually, every believer is in the race. And God says, I want you to run the race in your lane. I want you striving forward. I want you reaching forward. I want you having, read the verse again, single-minded focus. One thing I do. I reach forward. I reach forward. A lot of people in my generation, churches over the years, when you get to my generation, when you get to that quote, retirement age, by the way, you know how to do believers are supposed to retire. I'm not talking about Pray for them while 
basketball. I'm not going to beat anybody up and down the court. I just wouldn't cry. I wouldn't play defense. That way, when they need to do an offense, I'm already ready. I need to be with God. I'm not comparing myself to anyone else. You know, I admire Watch God use it and appreciate it. I got other things to give to God. And together, that makes a body. That's why Paul, that's why the Holy Spirit, that's all. Use that metaphor. I labor for Christ. What does that mean? Stretch forth the goal and you focus on the future. We're seeing with Paul here. Think about Joseph, for example, in Genesis. All that happened to Joseph, a godly man, simply trying to do what the Lord wanted him to do. His own brothers want to kill him. They lie to his dad. They, they sell him to his wife. They lie to his dad. They he's dead. Years later, he ends up in prison. You know the story of Joseph. I love that verse in Genesis 50. At the end, when his brothers have Joseph is now the number two guy in the world, he's in charge of who gets food, who doesn't get food in the middle of a famine. And his brothers come before Joseph and they suddenly go out. Joseph, and they, they say what? I won't tell you what they actually said, but what did they think? Uh-oh. That's Joseph. It's your fault, Ruben. That wasn't my fault. They think what? Joseph is number two next to Pharaoh, so they're assuming what at that point? We are going to die because of what we did to him. See, Christians don't take Joseph hugs his brothers and says, What? You meant it for evil, but for him. God meant it for your good. Do you see it? Do you see it? You meant it for evil, but God meant it for good. That's why Romans 8 28 is in scripture. God was going to remind us that no matter what's going on, I am always working because of good happens. You may not see it in may not see it for years and years down the road like Joseph. He's in prison going, why am I here? Where did I, I didn't do anything wrong. And yet, here I am. I came with Paul. He took his life, all that he went through, simply trying to do what the Lord told him to do. I'm sharing that in, in my 930 class this morning. Someone tells you, it's false teaching. False teachers will tell you, if you have enough faith and you give the right amount of money to the kingdom of God, you will always be healthy and prosperous. How do I know that's not true? I ain't healthy, I ain't prosperous. It's very difficult in our home right now because my wife is so sick. She loved Jesus. Galatians 2, 
I've been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Galatians 2 Crucified with Christ. I live in Christ. The second Timothy, and I love this passage. This is the last thing Paul wrote before he died. He's handing Timothy the baton. Praise God for him. It's his will. It's the last will of testament, second Timothy is. He's going to pass the baton to Timothy. It says this, I'm already being poured out as a drink offering, and the time of my departure is at hand. I'm dying. I'm going to die. I fought the good fight. I finished the race. I kept the faith. Not perfect. He said, keep him on tune. Not perfect. I never gave up. I never got out of the race. I kept Focusing on the goal. One thing I do. And I love what he said to Timothy. Drink offering. I am being poured out as a drink offering. That's a direct reference to an Old Testament metaphor about libations. What they would do is to enhance an offering they brought to God. They would pour something on it and they would chew on it. A sweet offering to God. A drink offering. What Paul is saying is, Timothy, I'm dying, but in my dying, I hope it's enhanced your ministry to all And even to this day, we look at the life of the Apostle Paul and it enhances our ministry. Thousand years later, he's still being drink offering of our ministry. See, that's my goal. That's our goal as a church. It's our goal as individuals that when I am gone, that maybe I had an impact on the lives of people that are still here. That's why I can't wait to start meeting with this young man and helping him set up his ministry. Because I know that once I'm gone, his ministry will go forward for the cause of Christ. I can be poured out as a drink offering. Lives have been enhanced because they knew Randy Locke, which I hope was the case. And that Jesus can use that relationship. You just never know how your impact can possibly be life and not perfect when you're around And then finally, we'll point about that and then we'll close out with Christ. It's love like Christ. Simply love people. We're going to talk more about this next week. Starting next week, a couple weeks, we're going to look at loving like Christ. Simply having burning love for your God, which manifests itself in a burning love for other people. Remember when they asked Jesus to sum up the law and the prophets or to sum up scripture? Remember they asked him, How did Jesus sum it up? Made it real clear to He said, Love God with all your heart, your soul, and your being. Others, love your neighbor as yourself. He says, On this hang all the law and the prophets. If you want to summarize Old Testament scriptures according to Jesus of Nazareth, who you might know, who was God, he said, Here's how you sum up scripture love God and love other people, not yourself. Now take care of yourself. Love other people. Be selfish for them. But you want them to know you're God. And in verse 14 again, let's look at the prize. This is the future. Look at the past, look at the present, and then the prize, the future. Verse 14 again. I press forward to go to the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. That in our lives, every individual life will believe that there's a high calling in your life. You've been born again. God 
chapter 12, that famous passage, the writer of Hebrews says these words, writes these words. Therefore we, believers, also, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. The joy that was set before him. Philippians is talking about the joy of the cross. You think about crucifixion, do you see anything joyful about this? You know why it was a joy for Christ to be tortured and crucified? Because he bought our salvation. He bought our redemption. And he wants us Understand that. Be thrilled about that. Whatever you I won't race that for again. Hebrews 12, one Run with endurance the race set before you. Look to Jesus, the author and finisher. Look to the race waiting on you. Whatever it is that's holding you back, get rid of it. That sin that ensnares you, get rid of it. And focus one thing I do. I want you to turn with me to Revelation chapter 3. Revelation 3, verse 14. Satisfied, 
expected. They didn't think they had any needs. Playoff Steel was famous for its eye salve. Notice Jesus said, if you need heaven, it's that. If you need your eyes open. They'd lost their perspective. They were self-satisfied. They'd lost their values. They were rich materially, but they were very poor spiritually. They'd lost their vision. They needed to see with the eyes of God. I love verse 20. We use it a lot of times in witnessing. Years ago, I was taught that, and uh, once I studied it, I learned this is not a verse where Jesus is talking to non-believers. He's talking to believers. Notice what he says to them. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. You're going to open the door and let me in? I'd like to come into your church. I'd like to come into your home. I'd like to come into your life. I'd like to be part of what's going on. you got to let me in. you got to say yes. you got to get your eyes off your money. You gotta get your eyes off your complacency. You gotta focus on me and never be satisfied. Your priorities gotta change. I don't like lukewarm. So many churches, I thank God they were good enough. But it's individuals, they're stolen churches that are lukewarm. They've just been doing the same thing forever and ever and ever. I'm not saying it the ritual of doing the things become the focus to be lukewarm. The focus has to be what does Jesus want me to get out of this? So I can go out there where there are people who are cold and tell them about the God, but some on fire. Get a new life. My priorities got changed. Then he said lukewarm. I'm going to share an illustration with you as we finish. When I heard this years ago, Business called this guy in who's an expert on time management. And he's going to speak to the particular sales for our radio this morning. We talked to him for a while and he said, okay, you got, you got that quiz for you. We had a one gallon, big, wide mouth jar. He put it on the table in front of him. We got about a dozen rocks the size of a fist and he stuffed them into the jar at the top. He put in more rocks in it, one would fit in. He asked him, is this jar full? All of the top of the business leaders and salesmen said, yeah, it's full. You can't put any more rocks in there. It's filled up. So he reaches over the table. He pulls out a bucket of gravel. He starts to pour it into the jar. He put the, put the gravel in the jar. He shook it up. The gravel worked its way to the bottom in the space between the big rocks. We asked him again, is the jar full? One of them said, probably not. He said, good, you got it. He reaches under the table, he brings out a bucket of sand. A bucket full of sand is on top of the gravel. Into the jar. Fill up all the space between the rocks and the gravel. So he asked one more time, is the jar full? So now everybody says what? No, the wet full. He said, good, you got it. He grabs a pitcher of water, fills up the brain. And he looks at the class and he says, what's the point of this illustration? The one eager leader, Beatles, was probably said many years ago, raises his hand and said, the point is, no matter how full your schedule is, you can always fit something else in. 
Thank you. 